Hi, this is Patrick Mason with The Long Drive, which is a series of recordings of me driving along, talking about uh, whatever it is I feel like talking about via suggestions from my friends uh, with a particular emphasis on Christian and Catholic explanation of things. So... Uh, first couple of questions, and this is a test run, obviously, I'm testing, um, obviously there's no video for this, it's just audio, it's a test run, listening to me as I drive through roughly middle of, top right, middle of nowhere, Texas, somewhere between, uh, Paris and Bonham, passing Dodd City and Lanius now, so, um, Testing a software called Voice Memos to see if uh, the output's decent and uh, when it sends to if I can out export it <coughs> in a format as well. I apologize to everybody if you if this ever gets out or anybody listens to it for the coughing. I've been fighting down a cold for a while. It's been a lot of fun, let me tell you. So. Um, I guess we'll go ahead and I'll try and answer a couple questions just as, as I go. You'll probably hear this again some other time, maybe on a more official run, not a test run. So, um, question I have from one of my friends, Bruce, is the space pope reptilian? And the answer to that is I do not know. I've never met the space pope, nor have I seen anything on him. I know the current, uh, the Catholic pope is not reptilian. He's a mammalian. He's a human being. Um, if you ask a robotic gentleman named Bender from the series Futurama, then the Space Pope is obviously reptilian because he uses that as, as an allusion to an obvious fact. Is the Space Pope, you know, is the Space Pope reptilian? You know, kind of so. Um, we'll see. Maybe someday the Space Pope will be reptilian. Um, I have a feeling, you know, we'd have to get far enough along that reptiles on Earth get to the level of sentience and granted souls by God, and therefore have moral abilities, um, and or get some sort of other space-faring race that is somehow also reptilian, although uh, part of me thinks that might be a little far-fetched, given that uh, I don't expect the biomes of other planets to turn out exactly like ours. Anyways, so that's the answer on that one. I don't know, uh, but it's possible. So the next one, keeping with the space theme, uh, my friend Jeff asked me if aliens can be Catholic, and my other friend uh, who actually works for NASA, Jeff uh, works for the military, but not NASA, my other friend, um, Mr. Sanchez, uh, he asked me, um, no, it wasn't if aliens uh, could be Catholic, it was, uh, do aliens know about Jesus Christ? Um, and I think he also asked, could they be saved? Yeah. Um, so, those three questions. Uh, hilariously, and probably not to your knowledge, Pope Benedict XVI, um, formerly Cardinal Ratzinger before that, now Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI 
uh, actually did sort of answer this question. He said, if there is extraterrestrial life and it's sentient, that uh, when we meet it, we have, as Catholics, uh, Christians, really, due to the Great Commission, we have a, um, and really due to, due to um, you know, being loving beings, that we have a duty to learn how to communicate with them, to learn their language, and then to speak the gospel to them, uh, and, and indeed attempt to convert them. Um, if, and he says this, you know, if they don't know already from some other source. <coughs> so, the um, <clears throat> obvious question there being, how would they know from some other source? You know, I guess there's the, the potential that they've been spying on us for a while and they figured out our religion and, and whatnot. But the reality is, when you're dealing with other uh, sentient creatures who have um, uh, moral capability, anything that's got moral capability has a soul. Um, so if we're dealing with other creatures that have souls, it's not unlikely that they uh, have encountered God. I mean, if God is a universal God, then he's, he made them too. He didn't just make, you know, if there are aliens, then he made them too. you got to follow the whole logic strain here. So, if God's the God of everything and everywhere and he's all-powerful and he made aliens, then he made the aliens just like he made us. And just like with us, he's going uh, to give the aliens uh, more or less a choice of whether or not to hang out with him, uh, it, you know, to remain in his will or to fall away from it. Obviously, mankind, on the, the grand scale, from our very first uh, predecessors, decided to give God the finger and then realized that was a bad call, and we've been trying to work our way back ever since. Uh, is, you know, the, the fall resulted in the necessity of Jesus Christ, uh, God becoming man and coming back. So, uh, do, this sort of addresses the, the idea of uh, the aliens whether or not they could be Catholic or whether or not um, they're saved is entirely dependent, or they could be saved, entirely dependent on if they need salvation. It's possible that we'll run into an alien race that uh, did not fall, that they are still in the good graces of God, uh, that they still follow his will, and um, they don't have to deal with demons or the other concupiscence. Uh, concupiscence, um, that they, perhaps individuals within their society fell, perhaps they're, they have a, a more general fall, but it, it may have split the race, like, so, you gotta think if Adam, if Adam and Eve had stayed faithful to God, and had, um, you know, and, and still had children, then, um, those children would then have the ability to stay faithful or not stay faithful and so at some point <coughs> you could have had a possibility of some portion of the human race uh, falling and uh, other portion of the human race uh, not being in a fallen state whereby each uh, member of that unfallen race would then uh, basically have the decision uh, whether or not to follow Christ unlike us 
all of us uh, have um, a disordered arrangement of will, um, physical power, and, and um, I guess mental acuity, and therefore we have a tendency to sin. Basically, we all do. So, if we encounter an alien race that doesn't, uh, that never experienced a fall or only partially fall, so we, if we encounter unfallen beings, then no, they don't need to be saved, or they can't be saved because they're with God. There's no saving necessary, right? They're already in the boat. They don't need a life jacket. Um, they're not drowning. Uh, on on the other hand, if we encounter other fallen creatures and they don't immediately annihilate us because they're dicks, because that's what I assume uh, we would do as fallen creatures when we encounter, you know, I always like to think we would act like the Federation, but come on, have we ever, have human beings, even encountering other human beings, ever acted like the Federation? <coughs> the answer is no, we're jerks, we kick them out of their land and we take their stuff, so I assume if aliens that are more powerful than us show up here and they're fallen creatures like us, they're going to kick us out of our land and take our stuff. Um, but there's also a chance they'll be somewhere in the middle, the middle ground, uh, and in which case um, it'll entirely depend. Um, I foresee a possibility that uh, a similar Christ-like situation would or could have happened uh, with other races, with other alien races, whereby God became one with them, just like he became one with us and Jesus Christ, in which case, um, you know, when we make contact with them, then it'll become, you know, it, it'll sort of depend on where we are and where they are, If, but the, I guess the Catholics will recognize each other, both from, uh, from you know, even across special lines. Um, in which case, then you get into the idea of, of what happens to the Trinity. Um, the reality is, it, you know, we say God has a triune nature because that's how God has revealed himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's not to say that he couldn't be Father, Son, 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 and Holy Spirit, um, you know, himself uh, coming into being with every every fallen race um and that's i think i think when you get into that concept um is why you run into a lot of uh theologians who have thought of you know who thought about aliens and have kind of rejected the idea thinking that maybe we are really alone um because it, it gets kind of not necessarily because expanding the trinity would be theologically difficult it really wouldn't you know given god being all-powerful and the salvation of other species who have moral capability uh, being good um, and the way of Jesus Christ being necessary. It just, it sticks out in our minds as kind of repetitive. Um, and God seems to be ever new in the way he does things. So it's entirely possible we will encounter something um, somewhat different, different and we'll have to reconcile that. Um, but as long, you know, ultimately, as long as what we find isn't contrary to what's been revealed to us, um, then it's all good. Like it, it can all be reconciled as long as it's reconcilable. That's the that's the key. That's why the church, like you hear some people say, hey, the church makes up 
uh, doctrine all the time and makes up dogma and changes its mind. Like, no. Um, what happens is we define our doctrine or dogma because a bunch of people decide that it's really not. Like, so we don't make up dogma. Um, we just set the dogma in stone when it becomes clear that a bunch of people don't believe it correctly anymore. So um, the doctrine of the Trinity, for for instance... I believe was Nicaea. Nicaea did a lot of stuff, you know, the the divinity of Jesus Christ, the humanity of Jesus Christ, um, most of, you know, everything in the Nicene Creed, pretty much, well, not everything, but a lot of it, so, (coughs) all that stuff is stuff that was taught by the apostles, um, believed by all of Christianity until somebody decided not to believe it and to, to spout off on something different. And then everybody's got to get together and say, okay, who's right? Um, do we believe this guy with this new theory? Is it really, is it, is it correctly expounding on what came before, or does it change things? If it changes things, the answer is no, it's not right, it's a heresy, done deal. And this is, you know, for real what happened. That's why you don't see, um, like, a real clear, you don't see like the Eucharist defined until the Council of Trent. And that's because until, you know, 1,500 plus years go by, nobody questions the, the you know, the Eucharist being the, the body and blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. It's of him being actually present. It's not until, um, it's not even Luther. Luther says, yeah, it's that way. You ask your high Lutherans these days. Oh, yeah, no, God's right there. They they don't have a, have him in it in exactly the same way as the Catholics, it's pretty close. Um, and you're, you know, you're high Methodists in the same way, but there are, once the other, you know, branches started branching off, people started saying, oh no, that Eucharist thing, it's all just a symbol. That didn't happen until like the 1600s. So, you know, before that point, there wasn't a, there was no need to define the fact that God is present, uh, transubstantial and that transubstantiation occurs in the uh, in the Eucharist because everybody knew it. There's, I mean, you know, stuff falls down, you know, it doesn't need to be defined anywhere. You know, we didn't define gravity as stuff falls down. We define it as stuff pulls inward because nobody realized that before that. Um, but you won't, you won't see a stuff falls down anywhere. Like, if, if stuff stuff that is obviously self-evident doesn't need to be defined until people start claiming it's not. So that's that's why you don't see those doctrines show up until that point. So <coughs> anyway, aliens. Um, if you want a treatment on this, so I mentioned Pope Benedict uh, during his, his tenure as Pope. Um, Although I don't know if it, if it was while he was Pope that he made the comments about the aliens. Uh, but C.S. Lewis wrote a set of three books that are really good. I've, I highly recommend them. They're um, some of my favorite books, actually. Uh, Out of the Silent Planet is the first one. And it's about... Uh, so Out of the Silent Planet, and then Paralambria, and then That Hideous Strength are the three, three books... Or they're a series. They're all about a guy named Ransom, uh, who's just an English professor, not unlike C.S. Lewis. 
Um, and it's told it's told as like Ransom is a prof- uh, a linguistics professor with Lewis, and he tells Lewis the story and kind of gets him involved. And that's how the story comes out. Lewis publishes it. That's sort of the, the behind the, you know, how how the story came to be kind of thing. It's it's kind of neat. Kind of a normal trope you see in a lot of books. So, Interview with a Vampire, for instance. Same kind of thing. <coughs> so, um, what is his name? Oh, yeah, in the story... Um, the ransom and, and a couple well, he gets shanghaied and they go to Mars and on Mars they encounter and, and obviously this is in Lewis's day where we didn't have knowledge about Mars and Venus that we do now um, but it's still a fun a, a fun read he goes to Mars and they encounter uh, a variety of aliens and none of them are fallen and they all think humans are pretty freaking weird um, <laughs> because because of that so it's a good read the second book in the series, uh, Paralambria, is probably my favorite. Um, no, it definitely is my favorite, and that's because um, you get basically um, a guy, you know, one guy on God's side and another guy possessed by a demon get to have a fist fight. And I mean, if I could do that, that'd be amazing. So, um, and then the last book, That Hideous Strength, is uh, it's, it's somewhat... Uh, dystopia avoided uh, writing so it's, it's a presentation of kind of a lot of dystopian ideals you know um, the idea that uh, people don't you know justice doesn't work quite right and um, I, you know revenge is, is a like a good tool, but it's also a bad tool. Like it's it's very much how it's a it's a book a lot about how a government can decide to do good things, but do them in a very terrible way, um, and ultimately make them not good anymore because of that. So, um, but I, I highly recommend it, uh, the whole series. But it, C.S. Lewis he treats this idea of encountering other aliens and. Uh, the realization, one of the realizations of the book is the angels, uh, angels and demons are extraterrestrial beings by their very nature, uh, because they don't exist, they don't have a terrestrial existence, right, their spirit, and so uh, the concept of extraterrestrial beings is nothing new to your well-formed uh, catechized Catholic or really, you know, anybody who really thinks about what an angel or a demon is. Um, so, that is the basic question. Can aliens be Catholics? Yes. Uh, I have a distinct feeling that if we discover aliens, that at some point after that point, there will either be Catholic aliens or the Catholic Church. And some alien church will uh, obviously be pointed out as being basically the same church. Um and then, um, can aliens be saved? And that entirely depends on if they've fallen. So if they're fallen and they're moral creatures, then yes. Uh, the answer to that is yes, they can be saved. And, uh, oh yeah, did Jesus Christ die for the aliens too? Um, that's a hard one to say. Um, but you know, theoretically, if you want to interpret Jesus' words, um, 
the Last Supper there, he says blood will be poured out for many. He doesn't say many human beings. He just says many. Um, and so I guess theoretically, the answer would be yes. Uh, he died for, you know, the, um, how do you put it? But he died to restore the fall. I don't know. That's uh, you got to think about that one because ultimately the reason. Um, so the I'm trying to Jesus is a redemptive sacrifice, and it's because God. You know, we in turning away from God in the fall, we did an infinite injustice to God, and the reason. It's, it's an infinite injustice is because God is all good. He's infinitely good. He is good. It's not just a quality he has. It's his literal being. Goodness. So <clears throat> we gave goodness the finger, uh, to put it bluntly. And so we made an, an infinitely unjust, took an infinitely unjust action. <coughs> and so it needs an infinite... Uh, reparative uh, or uh, no, reparative action so we can't as human beings do anything of an infinite nature because we are made finite uh, that's not, a, not our fault I mean we're made that way the unfortunate truth is we can't fix our own uh, the injury we did because we're finite like even if all of humanity over all the centuries from from the very first human being to the very last human being, you know, fell in line and attempted to uh, make offerings of retribution, we wouldn't be able to do it because it's still not infinite. It's still finite. So, in order to make the infinite, uh, um, I guess, offering uh, of of. I want to say, I'm sorry, there's a better word, offering of forgiveness, asking of forgiveness, it has to be done by an infinite being, there's only one of those, that's God, so that is, in a nutshell, why God had to become man, uh, is because to offer, or to ask for forgiveness, it had to be done in an infinite way, the reason he had to die is because it satisfied infinite justice, um, and not, not in a retributive way, um, in, in a, um, I'll put it like this, um, if you screw up and make your wife mad, and then you say, I'm sorry, or please forgive me, and she forgives you, you're forgiven, you know, your trespass, whatever you did to make her mad is forgiven, as long as you asked for the, you know, you were contrite when you asked, and she was uh, being honest when she forgave you, you're forgiven, <laughs> that doesn't mean she's not still pissed off at you, um, or that her, you know, or that she's not sad, or you, you didn't uh, hurt her feelings, and so, in order to, um, I guess, get things back to the way they should be, you have to make uh, penitential acts. 
and that's that's where um, the sacrifice comes in. Um, God basically establishes in the Old Testament, okay, if you um, if you sin in these ways, then you make you know these sacrifices. But they were all very limited sacrifices, and <laughs> they didn't fully forgive the sins. Um, so that goes into, into why Christ had to die um, as a sacrifice. It's not, it's not retribution. It wasn't God saying, um, I've got to punish somebody, so I'm going to punish this innocent version, you know, innocent um, my son in order to, to um, set these uh, wicked you know, evildoers scot-free. That's not, no, it's not, that's not how it works. Um, the, the sacrificial offering of Jesus Christ is uh, is not retributive. It's I don't think it's even penitential. Um, and we're getting pretty deep on this one, and we're probably getting too deep for me. I need to read more about this. I know, I know, and unfortunately, um, I know vastly more about the wrong way to look at his death than I know about the right way. Um, but suffice to say that it. His uh, sacrifice on the on the cross is a restorative is a, yeah, is a restorative offering uh, to God, freely offered to God, not required by God. It's not like God said, "Okay, somebody's got to go down for all these sins," so I'm gonna <coughs> I'm gonna make Jesus take the fall, even though he's innocent. You know, Jesus off like because Jesus could have stopped the whole thing at any time, being God. Um, Jesus freely offers uh, his life uh, as a, you know, and, and his suffering as a sacrifice to God uh, for the reparation of sins. So it might be a little, little much to grasp, and maybe we'll go more into depth on that one later when I've actually studied up on it, <laughs> and I can get some better, better analogies. Um, where was I going with that? So, so where I was going with that was that Jesus did that specifically because of our fall, uh, at least as far as we know. Now, there's a potential he was doing it for everybody else's fall. So everybody in the whole universe, you know, all other sentient life that has moral capability in the whole universe uh, that fell, he could have been doing it for them too. Um, I think that gets problematic in that um, it would mean that, I mean, they would have to know about it somehow for the redemptive act to mean anything. Like, right, so Jesus' you know, proclamation, nobody comes to the Father unless through me, um, they'd have to know of it. And, that, and that's why Benedict says, unless they know about it from some other source. So if they're fallen creatures, then they have to know... And, you know, what would be really interesting to me is if, uh, you know, it doesn't matter what, um, what alien race we run into, the Son of God is always named Jesus Christ. That would be amazing. <laughs> there would still be atheists and people who denied it after that point, but I think it would be, it'd be pretty funny. And not just funny, but, you know, it's like, hey, Jesus was right. 
He's right in every culture, you know, in every, uh, in every species, I guess. It wouldn't really just be cultures at that point, because each species would have its own culture. I always like that in, in, um, so many, what do you call it, um, science fiction shows or whatever, there's this kind of assumption that, that each species at some point made a whole bunch of decisions about standardizing this, you know, like, oh, we have a one, you know, we've got one standard religion and one standard type of spaceship and one standard this and one standard that, and, uh, and humanity doesn't work that way. And that's sometimes, that's kind of the joke, is that humans are weird because we have all these variations. I think what, what we're going to find if we encounter other alien species is that they're going to be as varied as we are, um, and I always remember the Babylon 5 episode where they're, they're showcasing religions and they do everybody's religion and the Centauri is just a whole big party they have a million gods for a million different things Londo passes out on the table and we got for this and got for that and then they go to the um, Mimbari ritual which apparently is the single ritual that gets used for like 20 different things including marriage <laughs> which is kind of the joke um Sheridan got married, and uh, and then they do humans, and they uh, they have this huge room, and they bring everybody in the room, and there's a whole bunch of folks lined up, and the you know the first guy is wearing his uh, his collar, and it's like this is you know you know Steve Johnson, he's a Catholic priest, and this is you know he's a Baptist minister, and this is so-and-so, he's a uh, Buddhist uh, monk, and this is so-and-so, he's a Jewish, you know, and it's just, and it pans out, and there's like, you know, a hundred or more guys lined up, so like, you know, a couple, several hundred years in the future, we still have all of our various religions and, and everything, and uh, oh yeah, one guy was an atheist, um, so... You know, I think we're going to discover that in other, in other, um, in other alien species. Um, I think they'll also have a diversity of religions. I think uh, if they're fallen, well, if they're fallen, and uh, and if they are fallen, they'll probably have a religion that bears an excruciatingly uh, interesting resemblance to Catholicism, and possibly with their own. And I'm, I'm. If I was a betting man, and sometimes I am, um, my bet would be on that there would be a, a salvific uh, Jesus Christ-like figure who did claim divinity and was believed to be divine, um, and that they—that it's even possible they have a Trinity, uh, a Trinitarian doctrine as well. So, and it's it's possible that when if you know we get discovered that we'll run into a species that has discovered other species and their, um, I don't know, Catholic church, you know, has a, has a nine person, uh, Trinity to, to account for all the other salvific figures they've discovered as they discover each new race <laughs> discover. Oh yeah. God does seem to touch every single race, you know, cause God moves in, in historical circles. He does touch history. He, uh, he doesn't leave, just leave us alone to our own devices. He does so. He, he always does so in a way to leave people the ability to still say no to him. 
Um, but the truth is, you know, the solid truth is that even in his full presence, um, folks are still going to say no to him. Uh, we have the angels, for instance, who are pure spirit and who are, you know, in the light of God or see the face of God or have some portion of knowledge of his mind and still still said no. No, I will not serve. Even though I, you know, I have a better grasp on what God is because I don't have this body um, thing. Although, you know, depending on how you how you parse that, um, being a, 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 a purely intellectual being, seeing what God is for what God is, and still saying no, like a third of the angels still decided to say no. <laughs> no thanks God I'll, I'll do things on my own so I think anytime uh, anytime you run into creatures who have moral agency and who have free will you're going to find fallen ones and uh, you'll also find that God is working to try and save them because God you know ultimately God just wants us to be happy he uh, he has no no desire for anybody to be unhappy either in this life or the next uh, he will respect people's decisions to be unhappy um, you know kind of in the give people what they want sort of thing um, but that doesn't mean he, he wants that his will is for us to be saved and um, so that's all I gotta say so this is a test run we'll see how that goes and I think in the meantime I'll study a little more about the how salvation, you know, Christ-specific salvation works. So I, I, if I do this for realsies, then I'll have that uh, in my back pocket so I know what I'm talking about. Um, this has been Patrick Mason on The Long Road Home. That is The Long Drive Home. I hope you had a good drive home or have, are having a good day or whatever, however you listen to this, that you're doing well. And we will end with a prayer. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Dear God, the Father of heaven and earth, we thank you today for the graces of our day. Thank you for giving me a safe drive and give all the listeners uh, your grace and your uh, mental acuity so that they may sift through the spaghetti of uh, random concepts that I presented to them so that it is intelligible. Uh, Dear Lord, in your name we pray, in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. May your will be done. Your Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you, everybody. Have a good day. (laughs) 